Hey folks, Dirks Bentley here. If you've seen one of my concerts, you know I'm all about energy. Performing, recording, traveling, being a husband and a father, it's a busy life, and I need to be 100% every day. So when my battery starts running low, I grab a sugar-free, vitamin-packed, five-hour energy shot. It tastes great, and it gets me back to 100% fast. Try it. It could work for your busy life, too. For more information, visit 5hourenergy.com. You're listening to Turf Show Radio. With the first pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Los Angeles Rams select Jared Goff, quarterback, California. John Austin, nickel back to the Bears. Airs it out. Oh, he drops it in the bucket. Kenny Britt is gone. Touchdown. Give it to Gurley. Gurley extending for the goal line. Touchdown. Todd Gurley. That puts him at 1,000 yards on the button in his rookie season. And now, here's your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Turf Show Times Radio. This is your boy, Josh Webb. Pleased to be joined by Mr. Rand Getlin of the NFL Network to be talking about the L.A. Rams. Rand, how you doing? I'm good, brother. How are you? I'm doing very well. So, the first question I want to ask you here is, you've been out at Rams practice a couple of days. What is it that you've noticed, maybe in terms of a change in attitude since St. Louis? Is is there anything different about the team, I guess would be the best way to phrase that. Here, um, not better, not worse, just different. And ultimately, I think one of the things that I find to be fascinating is the team seems to be very comfortable right away. Um, And, you know, you start seeing things that uh, could create uh, a bit of a circus, uh, you know, with teams that were constituted differently. Having uh, seven-time Grammy Award-winning rapper Kendrick Lamar on the sidelines could have turned into a, a spectacle. Uh, But, you know, Kendrick, as big as he is in music world and popular culture, was kind of an afterthought at this practice. Not to say that he wasn't important, that folks didn't realize he was there. It is to say that the team was very focused on ensuring that they got the reps in and uh, and improved, you know, as much as possible as we head into the season. So just generally speaking, I think the energy around the team is very cool right now. Uh, It seems like they're very confident that they really do believe that they've got a shot to uh, shake things up this year. And uh, I know Rams fans probably uh, furrow their brow when they hear that kind of stuff. But, you know, at some point, teams break out. And I think that uh, your, your squad believes that this might be that year. No, I, I do want to harken back to that because I think you make an interesting point. A lot of people took sort of exception with the, the very first episode of Hard Knocks where, where when Jeff Fisher cut Dion Anderson, everybody remembers the, the that 7-9 BS speech that he gave. 
But he said he doesn't even see this team as an 8-win team or a 9-win team or even a 10-win team. He believes that they're better than that. Now, we all know that that's stuff that coaches say, but from your perspective, is that something that could be possible with this team? Yeah, I mean, look, it's you're in a tough division, and these teams are not going to lay down for you. That being said, the defense that the Rams have is incredible by any account. I mean, you guys have all of the pieces to really make it difficult on any team you play to put points on the board. Uh, now, it's not to say it can't happen, and obviously last year it was kind of up and down. You guys would beat teams that you absolutely, uh, in a lot of folks' minds, shouldn't have beaten, and then you turn around in situations where you shouldn't have beaten them, uh, like up in Seattle at their place. Mm-hmm. That's a tough place to get a win, but you got one. And uh, and with Case Keenum under center. So, you know, it's, it's one of these things where uh, when, when I look at the Rams, I think if they can put together a string of wins against the teams that they should win against. I don't know why you can't add an extra two, three wins to the record this year. Now, with regard to some of the guys that they drafted, we all know that they gave up a King's Ransom for Goff, and if you feel like you have to have your number one quarterback, that's about the standard price of what you're going to have to give up to, to, to move up to get him. But the, the question then becomes, how do you sort out those other pieces with the picks that you no longer have because you traded out Goff? With some of the guys that the Rams were, were able to pick up in the draft, has any one of them sort of stood out to you or that you think could have a breakout season? Uh, in terms of a breakout season, you know, that's a little bit more difficult. I mean, it's really kind of a crapshoot in a lot of ways. But there have been some players that have been impressive at camp. Nelson Spruce is one of those guys. And, you know, you have to think about it, I think, in terms of, uh, especially for the Rams, you know, what did the team feel they needed now to win? And speaking with Les Need last year, he made clear that the defense, well, the defensive line specifically, was a result of obsession. That it was this idea that if you could just create an incredible front seven, uh, that at some point, uh, that really changes the tide for your team. And we've seen that in flashes. I mean, your front seven uh, was absolutely killer uh, at times last year. And then there were other times that there were lapses. But when you got a superstar like Aaron Donald, you got a guy like Brockers, a guy like Robert Quinn, you know, I mean, it's really interesting that the guys that have the potential to be stars elsewhere uh, are forgotten men along this line because you have so many incredible pieces. So, I think when you know the Rams looked at the draft, they said we need a quarterback. Obviously, they traded the farm to go get one, which means they firmly believe in this guy because, of course, everybody that's involved in that decision-making process is fully aware their jobs are on the line. And if this guy doesn't end up being the guy that they believe he is, that'll probably be all she wrote uh, you know, for, for this front office. So I mean, one thing is abundantly clear, and I think fans can take some solace in this, they're 100% certain that this is the solution. They would not have gone in this direction if they weren't. And, you know, now with the season right here uh, in front of us, we're going to get a chance to figure out if they were right. And, you know, from my perspective, when you are around golf and you talk to people who know golf and you watch him, how he operates around the team, we saw a little bit of this on Art Knox. Uh, you can't put a price on a guy that his, the teammates truly love. I mean, it's, it's difficult to quantify how valuable that is. And it's clear to me that Jared Goff's teammates really do love him, and they believe in him. 
so you know he's a young guy. He's gonna have his uh, he's have to take his lumps, and go through his rookie uh, ups and downs. But if he progresses at the pace that he's progressed since OTAs, I think he's gonna turn out to be a very solid NFL quarterback. Yeah, and he has been putting some progressions through in those practices, but right now it does look like Case Keenum is the front runner. But what I found interesting when I was down there watching, and, and I think that this alludes to your point, was there is a lot of camaraderie among these four quarterbacks. Even when Keenum and Goff were working on the far side of the field, you had Mannion and Dylan Thompson working with each other, and, and Mannion was walking Thompson through what he was doing wrong when he, uh, you know, was, was making his throws. And, and similarly with Keenum and Goff, normally these types of quarterback, I guess, controversies end up with more drama. What, in your opinion, have the Rams done to really create that family environment or is that just up to Jared Goff being a lovable guy? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the team, and look, the team is going to be a reflection of a number of things. Uh, Jeff Fisher obviously sets the tone from a front-facing, authoritative uh, individual in the organization who deals with the players on a regular basis. And he's the guy who's instituting the culture, if you will. And then he chooses the coaches beneath him who are going to help to reinforce that culture. And I know a number of folks uh, on the coaching staff and the front office, et cetera, around there. Really, honestly, I mean, I, there's no other way to put it. They're really good guys. I mean, easy to talk to, engaging, thoughtful, uh, and they have a lot of fun. And so, you know, from a cultural uh, perspective or a cultural standpoint, I think that the team is in incredibly good shape. You know, it's just that, obviously, and you heard it in Jeff Fisher's uh, message, you know, on Hard Knocks, it, it's difficult to deal with consistent seasons where you're not achieving the goals that you set forth to achieve. And this year, he wants it to be different. And, you know, it'll be interesting to me to see. Like, I, I don't know how much of an effect this has, but you remember back, you know, during the USC days, they had this very Hollywood vibe going on. They had fame on the sidelines, uh, rappers, actors, you know, there's Will Ferrell, there's Snoop Dogg, etc. And so the, the folks who are hot right now have changed. Uh, like, you know, back in 2006, 2007, whenever they were on the street, Kendrick Lamar wasn't going to be, uh, nobody knew who he was. Right. Today, he's a really big deal. You know, so to have him out there at practice in Irvine, no less, which is an hour south of Los Angeles, and, you know, people may not hour in good traffic, you know, two hours in bad traffic. You know, folks don't realize, like, that. that is actually kind of a big deal. Like, there's so many other things you could be doing in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and yet here are these Los Angeles born and bred guys who are coming out to support the team at a training camp practice. So I want to see what the energy of the city, once the team is in L.A. proper, and you kind of got a glimpse of this at the Coliseum last week, what the energy of the city does for the team, because it's been 20 plus years, and I know it's been extremely difficult for St. Louis uh, residents and fans to lose you know, their team in terms of it being there locally. But, you know, hopefully a lot of those folks uh, stay connected to the team. It's still their team. Yes, it moved out of St. Louis, and it's certainly a shame. I wish you guys did still have a team down there. But, you know, the Rams are still a team that spent uh, 20 years in, in, in that area. So, you know, hopefully they can continue to support them. There are a lot of Los Angeles fans out here who had the Rams, you know, for however many years prior to them taking off for St. Louis, who continue to support that team in their absence. And now that they're back, 
you know, there's really just a lot of joy from these folks uh, that they finally have an NFL team back. So it'll be fascinating to me to watch it all play out. Uh, I do believe that it will have an impact. Now, good, bad, or otherwise remains to be seen. This is a, a big city with a lot going on, and that in and of itself is a challenge. I mean, every single night of the week, Monday through Sunday, you can go out and have a hell of a time. I mean, there's always something going on out here. So that's a challenge from uh, a player perspective and certainly from an administrative and coaching perspective. How do you keep your guys focused? But, you know, thus far, uh, since training camp has begun, I'm out here. You know, I live in the belly of the beast in West Hollywood where guys go out and, uh, and keep my ear to the ground. I see folks out when they're out. And uh, I haven't seen, you know, a whole lot going on with the Rams except them focusing on football, which is great. And, you know, if the season kicks off and they're able to get some momentum going early, it'd be a really dangerous team. I don't think there's anybody out there that wants to play the Rams uh, early on. You know, it's not a team that you're looking at as an easy W by any means. You know it's going to be a battle. They're physical. They're scrappy. And if you can get Todd Gurley going, Jared Goff can manage that offense and you get a little bit of help from some of these younger guys. I mentioned Nelson Spruce a little bit earlier. But one guy that knocks off the page right away that has an ability to make an impact early from a physical perspective is Tyler Higby. Uh, mm-hmm. He has been very impressive thus far and obviously has to keep his head on straight. Uh, but this is a guy that you know folks close to him believe can have a huge season uh, if he's put in the right circumstances. So you know, a couple notes from folks that I talked to close to Higby. They say he's a freak that Les originally had an early second-round grade on him. Uh, and may have been even higher than Hunter Henry out of Arkansas. And obviously he fell because he got into that fight a bit. Uh, but, you know, this is his first camp. He's coming off a knee surgery in late December. Uh, and he played in a spread offense at a small conference school. And he's already uh, wildly impressive just in terms of the potential. So you get a couple, you know, unexpected boosts on that offense. That changes things for you guys. And I think from a... The perspective of losing Trey Mason, potentially, uh, we'll see how it all plays out. That, that's a shame. He's a really solid running back. I liked him a lot. And I thought that uh, he and Todd Gurley as a 1-2 uh, would just be hell on opposing defenses. Unfortunately now, you know, with Gurley being the bell cow, got to keep him healthy and, and carrying the ball 25, 30 times a game in this league. You know, it's obviously difficult not to get nicked up. So a lot of variables, but uh, a lot of hope, too. Two last things before I let you get out of here. You you mentioned something in your last answer that I thought was really interesting because week two, the Rams actually have their first home game. But if you note who it's against, then you, you especially living in Los Angeles, will be fully aware of the fact that this will be the first time Pete Carroll will also be coming out of the tunnel of the Coliseum. And I've been asking people this. You know, a 20-year absence can do funny things. There's no doubt that people are going to and have already bought into the Rams. I mean, 10,000 out at practice is a, a, a solid start. But I'm curious, how loud of a reception do you think Pete Carroll's going to end up getting at the Coliseum when the Seahawks come out, despite being one of their biggest division rivals? Yeah, I mean, Pete is an absolute legend in Los Angeles. He created uh, or helped to create, you know, a dynasty in uh, in one of the biggest and, you know, from my perspective, best cities in the world. Uh, and this is a place that really, you know, appreciates their stars. Um, 
and Pete left, you know, uh, at, at a tough time. But I think people are kind of over that. I think that at this point, you know, it's easier to remember the good times, and uh, they have a lot of them. So I think Pete will get a lot of cheers. But, you know, this, this is what's interesting about Los Angeles. It's an import city. We have so many folks from mm-hmm. different places, very few of my friends out here, and I've got, you know, a broad social group. Uh, very few of them are from Los Angeles. In fact, you know, almost none of them are from Los Angeles. So, you know, I don't know that there are that many folks that are going to be in the Coliseum. If they, if they pack it out, it's 90,000 people. Um, and it sounds like they're expecting for the first preseason game a lot of people. And I think they had 30,000 at the practice in the Coliseum, which is nuts for a practice on a Saturday in, in Southern California. Um, but, you know, I, I think it'll get a warm reception. Uh, at the end of the day, though, uh, there are going to be a healthy number of C fans, CC Hawks fans, because you've got people from the Pacific Northwest who import down here quite a bit. And there are going to be a huge number of Rams fans, Los Angeles, St. Louis, and otherwise. The folks that want to see this team win and that are connected to the team. Uh, and there are going to be a lot of people that adopt the team now that they're here. They're here. You know, I've had a number of friends tell me, uh, you know, throughout time they've been a, a fan of this team or that team. But now that the Rams are here because they've been away from home for so long, they've been looking for a team to, to call their own again. And Southern California becomes home to a lot of us that came from elsewhere. I came from Oregon. And, you know, I didn't have a team growing up necessarily. So if I didn't cover the sport and I was still a huge fan of football, it'd be a natural transition for me to become a Rams fan. So, you know, this much is true. Out in Los Angeles, uh, it's a front-runner culture. If you are not winning, they are not going to support you. Yeah. Like, not the way it is in Green Bay, not the way it is in Cleveland, not the way it is in other uh, smaller locales. You've got to win out here, period. But the Rams know that. They're acutely aware. Uh, Kevin Nemoff, you know, is from here. Uh, his father has been here the whole time. And so they're, you know, they've got a very good sense of what Southern California is. Uh, Stan spends a lot of time out here. He's got family out here. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, they didn't come out here expecting to be mediocre. They came out here expecting to set the world on fire. They want to become the team that they know they should have been at other points. And it's hard. It's just a difficult league to win in. But you guys are trending in the right direction. Uh, I fully expect, you know, when they come out of the tunnel for the first time uh, for this preseason game against the Cowboys, it's going to be loud, and it's going to be a lot of really electric energy. And it's going to be the first time in 20-plus years that there's been a football game uh, in the city of Los Angeles and the Coliseum, an NFL football game in the city of Los Angeles. And uh, and that that is, you know, whether you, you hate or love what happened in the offseason with the team moving, etc., it's pretty cool being down here to know that the NFL is back. Uh, and again, you know, hopefully St. Louis fans are able to uh, maintain their reverence for the team and their appreciation for the team. And if the team has a good year, um, you know, hopefully that's something they can get behind. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I want to ask you, and then I'll give you a chance to, to talk about yourself, where people can find you on social media and anything you projects or articles you may have upcoming is I, I sense a lot of optimism in your voice. So here comes the... I'm not going to use that phrase in today's climate. Here comes the 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 the, the hot seat question, I guess would be the be- best way to ask it. Uh, how far are the Rams going to go this season? Huh. Oh, well, I, uh, I, uh, so I, was, I went to law school and I got trained as a lawyer, so I, I figure out ways to uh, work my way with words out of these kinds of questions. I never make uh, predictions. In fact, uh, usually when I make predictions uh, that are just based on my feelings, 
I'm wrong. Uh, I'm the guy that, if you ask me which way to turn, I say left. Uh, you, you guaranteed it's a better move to go right. We have that so, in common. Uh, I don't do much in, in the way of betting, and that's basically what this would, would be. I'd be placing a bet. I will say this. Based on objective information, uh, taking a look at how they did last year, how many games they could have or should have won that they didn't, uh, and just knowing that they added a few pieces, even though you lost a few pieces, you added a few pieces that changed the dynamics of the team as well. I just don't see why this can't be a 10-win team. That's not to say that they will be a 10-win team, but I don't see why they can't be a 10-win team. San Francisco is vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. Seahawks, uh, you know, are still going to be a very tough squad to play against, but it's not the same Seahawks team uh, without Marshawn Lynch. Rawls is coming off a pretty serious injury. We'll have to see how he gets back and up to speed, but, you know, they're tough, and you guys are just in a tough division, but uh, you know, a couple of these games can go in different directions. You got the 49ers start off. That's that's a winnable game. You guys beat the Seahawks at their house, uh, so certainly at your own house, that's a winnable game. The Bucks are greatly improved. That's the third game. That's a winnable game. The Cards are going to be tough. Yeah. They're going to be really tough. You know, that's that's just it's again a hard division. Bills, uh, winnable game. Lions, winnable game. Giants, winnable game. Panthers is a tough one. Jets are going to be tough, but winnable. Dolphins, Saints, Patriots, Falcons, Seahawks, Niners, Cardinals. Again, murderers row in a lot of ways, but I do think that this team is constituted to pull half of those wins off. Uh, you know, really with their eyes closed, and uh, and, and that's not to say it won't be hard, but you know what? It, it's it's a team that's built to win eight games for sure. Yeah. This is now. If if you're built to win eight games for sure. If you can figure out a way to get the ball to bounce the right way once or twice uh, in games where it bounced the wrong way last year, you're a 10-win team. So, you know, can they do better than that? Sure, I, I think they can. But I wouldn't be shocked to see them end up somewhere in the 9-10 win space. That would make a lot of sense to me. If they do better than that, I won't say that I'll be shocked, uh, but it'll be a pleasant surprise for you cool. guys. Cool, man. All right. Well, listen, Rand, I'm sure many of our uh, people already follow you. You have a pretty substantial following. But for the folks out out there who don't know where they can find you and who may not be familiar with your work, now's the time to uh, pump your own social media or any projects that you have coming up. I appreciate it, brother. So you can find me at uh, at Rand, R-A-N-D underscore Gatlin, G-E-T-L-I-N. On Twitter, uh, Snapchat, Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is pretty personal. It's kind of my life. I don't do a whole lot of football stuff on there, but every once in a while some guys will pop up. Uh, my Snapchat is really where I spend a lot of time doing kind of analysis and sharing thoughts on the space, but it's also personal. I kind of share my life around Los Angeles and things that we do socially as well as my football thoughts. And then Twitter, you know, is primarily uh, where I spend a lot of my time thinking about and talking about football. Uh, sharing things that I think are interesting. So, you know, anyone who wants to follow me in those places, I try and respond to as many people as possible when they reach out. Love engaging with the folks out there, a lot of smart football fans, funny people, uh, you know, folks that make me think. So it's been a pleasure to be a part of the social space. Hopefully some of the folks listening to this podcast will join us over there. Well, thank you so much, Rand. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. I know that we had a little bit of problems trying to get this thing off the ground, but you've been very gracious with your time, and I do appreciate that. So for Rand and all of us here at Turf Show Times, I want to say thanks for listening, and we will catch you next time here on TST Turf Show Radio.
I'm Ashley Carmen. I'm Caitlin Tiffany. We're the hosts of Why'd You Push That Button, the Verge's show about all the choices technology forces us to make. We're back for season three, talking about questions like, why do you delete your tweets? And why do you type in lowercase letters that make you seem like a serial killer? And why are you on an exclusive dating app? You're not that special. We're releasing a new episode every Wednesday, and you can find us anywhere you typically find podcasts, which is Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts. So go ahead and subscribe and check us out.